0: you remember that time way back before the NHL season even began that I predicted that the Avalanche would win the Stanley Cup? How about we just stick with that one and stop making other predictions? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this lightning six avalanche two last night in Tampa in game three of the final did not see that coming and yet, and yet here's the funny thing about the sports reporting business. If you make enough predictions over the course of time and no one remembers The one you made before the last one, you're going to get them all right. You know, you're just going to be correct all the time. Well, I did pick the Avs to win the cup at the beginning of the season. Never wavered from that. Thought there might be some teams that could come along and, you know, threaten them, give them a tough series, but never ever altered that pick. Now, before this final, I took the lightning to win in six. First time I'd wavered, right? The reason for that was that I felt that there was such an enormous advantage in goal for Tampa Bay that it was going to basically dwarf all other factors. So first two games of the series happened. Everyone knows how they went. Out in Denver, the Avalanche just completely crushed the Lightning, especially in Game 2. Just an absolute embarrassment for a two-time champion to go through. And along the way, and I did say this, Darcy Kemper really was never tested in the Colorado net. Whereas Vasilevsky wasn't good, but he wasn't exactly terrible either. The level of dominance could have made the score in Game 2 so much more lopsided on the Avs' behalf. So it was after Game 2 that I said, right here on this program, and it's recorded, that, oh, the Avs are just going to sweep through this. This is just such a cakewalk. There's just nothing to this. The lightning look like they're done. And, And then last night happens, and... The Bolts put 37 shots on Kemper, chase him, six different goal scores. They did so without Braden Point, who was pulled back out of Game 3 after an unsuccessful attempt to return from a long-term injury, meaning he was in the lineup, just wasn't himself at all. And meanwhile, Vasilevsky was himself. He was the best goaltender in the world, and as a result, we do have a series again. Oh, also, as a result, I'm officially out of the prediction business for the 2021-22 NHL season. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across Western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, I'm going to use this discussion about this final to make a new plea for the Penguins, the local guys, remember them, to redouble their efforts to solidify the goaltending position. I get that not everybody sees the Penguins' uh, four consecutive first round playoff exits as being entirely about one thing or entirely about another, although there's a good number of people who just blame everything on the core, and that's that. The one thing I think is very hard to argue against is that the last two exits were principally the result of goaltending, meaning Tristan Jari fell apart against the Islanders. And Tristan Jari wasn't available until Game 7 against the Rangers. And, of course, Casey DeSmith went down, Louis DeMing, you know all this. But when I say that I want to see the Penguins get stronger at their most important position, unlike most, I'm not referring to the backup. I'm not planning for doom. Uh, There are not many teams that win the cup when they're down to their backup goaltender. And please don't throw 2017 at me because Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray didn't have a backup between them. What you have to ensure as a franchise is that you've got your number one goaltender and you've got him wrapped up. No one talks about Jari needing to be signed this summer. I'm going to be that guy. He cannot be allowed to leave after next season. That can't even come into play. It can't be a let's see things, let's prove it, because by the time he does prove it, he will price himself right out of Pittsburgh. And by that I mean he'll go to a team that's got infinitely more cap space than the Penguins do. And why wouldn't he? They didn't even trust him enough to give him an extension the year before he entered as a lame duck. It's hardly a universally held view, but I believe in Jari after what I saw of him this past season. It's not just that his numbers were better. It's not even just that his performances and outcomes were better. To me, he was just an overall better goaltender. He was better at his craft. He learned a lot. From Andy Kyoto, He cemented his mind, so to speak. I actually like the way that sounds. He cemented his mind. It sounds like he built a brick wall around it. And that's probably what he did for the most part. And that's okay. That's okay. Martin Brodeur built one of the great goaltending careers uh, in hockey history by taking that approach. He's the real deal. And he needs to get a real deal. It's going to take some significant money. And this is why ever since Artemi Panarin's shot hit the back of the net in Game 7, I've been advocating above and beyond anything else that this team needs to find a way to clear out some of these overpriced defensemen and create cap space, not just for Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, or if you really want to get into luxuries, Ricard Raquel. Tristan Jari has to be signed. We're watching every night on the final. Why, that's always the case. When we come back, J1Q. Q comes from Axel who asks, wouldn't it be nice if the Penguins could shed salary and pick up a second or third round pick in the process, both of which they currently need? There are some interesting names headed toward Wilkes-Barre next year. Lucas Sveikovsky was impressive for the Thunderbirds, for example, but you can always use more. Uh, Axel, I'll agree with you on the last part. The Penguins need a whole lot more. At Wilkes-Barre, they need more competition, they need more push, but above anything, they need more talent. Simple as that, especially skill guys, and that's why I'm glad you mentioned Swakovski. He had 46 points in 33 games for the WHL finalists. The Seattle Thunderbirds had a really nice season and helped his team get, obviously, very deep into his league's playoffs. Good stuff, but you know, the list doesn't go a lot longer than that. Svekovsky was a fourth rounder in 2020, and that's the way these performances have had to come. They've been from second rounders or third rounders or fourth rounders. And every time you get excited about one of them, whether it's a, a Sam Poulin or Nathan Laguerre or someone like that, and you go, yeah, yeah, here they come, here comes a draft pick, you sooner rather than later find out why they weren't a first rounder, meaning like Legere and others who were taken later. But what you're proposing there is, and don't bite my head off for this, but it's pie in the sky. There's no way you're going to move significant salary cap off the roster and get back a second or third rounder, unless you're fantasizing that someone would do that for Jason Zucker. That's not going to happen. Zucker's a $5.5 million cap hit for a while. There's not a team that would take him for anything, let alone a draft pick in any round, let alone one that's in the second or third round. Even for a player with pedigree, uh, experience, uh, championship-level leadership, like a Brian Dumoulin is a really hard move. Why? On the wrong side of 30. Why? On the wrong side of $4 million. The salary cap is such a big, big issue in the NHL, and it's never been bigger than now when it's staying essentially flat. Ask any general manager, including Ron Hextel, because I've done this, what is their most valuable. Commodity, and he will like this come back with cap space because he feels like he can get anything done if he's got cap space, but he doesn't have any, which incidentally is why it was confounding that he didn't move Kasperi Kapanen during the season last year when he could have freed up cap space blah 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 blah. I've been over that. Understand, please, especially those of you who are are new to this wonderful sport that Moving a player who makes money is very hard to do unless that player is really, really good. Because a lot of teams are like the Penguins where they spend all the way up to the cap. And even the ones that weren't doing that normally are being forced to do it now because of the post-pandemic flat cap. And that, by the way, is the only reason. We still haven't gotten any news related to Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Ricard Raquel, or really anybody since the Brian Rust signing, because they're trying like crazy to fit things under a cap that's not about to move anytime soon. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.